Right to be read podcast, episode number 20, interview with Johnny Andrus. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Annie Alexander, and today I'm going to talk to Johnny Andrews. I personally discovered Johnny through Meron Barakat's Inspiring Innovation podcast, where he was a guest, and I decided that I need him here as well. And you'll find out why when you listen to the interview. So just a small intro, uh, Johnny Andrews is multi-time best-selling author, publishing expert, entrepreneur, international speaker, business strategist consultant, and a podcaster. Since discovering how to hack the publishing industry, Johnny Andrews has been known as the go-to guy for author entrepreneurs when it comes to launching a successful business or books by leveraging the power of audience and Amazon. Hello, Johnny. I'm, I'm really happy to have you on my podcast. The first time I heard your interview on Meron's podcast, I decided immediately that you had to be here as well. Uh, so I welcome you to Write to be Read and I'm really happy to have you here. Yeah, I mean, seriously, thank you. And, and congratulations on your new and noteworthiness today. That was some super McNinja awesome sauce that you were spreading upon your uh, upon the land like a thick, delicious butter. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, it's it's uh, amazing uh, how it happened because although I tried, but uh, basically, uh, you know, uh, the success is based on the listeners whom I don't know because I'm podcasting from Armenia. So it's even, you know, more influential and it, it has a bigger impact for me. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're definitely, uh, and that's the funny thing about all this is like, we never really know as show owners, like, where exactly we're having the most influence until, you know, say, for example, someone reaches out to someone else on Facebook asking them what they think of uh, this new Amazon thing. And then suddenly that one dude is snapping screenshots of them in a totally different country. It's sort of hilarious how that works out. Yeah, amazing how Internet uh, erases boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, but you know, uh, I think we're not going to talk about me today. Uh, we're going to talk about you, about uh, books, about uh, self-publishing and about what's even more important, I think, selling books, because I know that you're very good at that. Right. Well, thank you. I, well, I, every now and then, you know, periodically we'll move a couple units. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe we, we should start from the very beginning and uh, our listeners um, will hear the story of how you got into writing and self-publishing and, uh, you know, how did it start? Um, where did you start and where are you now? All right, cool. Well, I'll keep this all publishing related. We don't need to dive way back into the days of your uh, kind of thing before I even knew what internet marketing was. But uh, basically, uh, what happened, I had a very successful online business uh, that I had built basically from the ground up uh, over a number of years. And it was predominantly based around me traveling quite a bit and you know, meeting people, as I like to call it, the, the hand-kissing, baby-shaking of the world sort of thing. And, and um, uh, it was pretty crazy. It was very similar to like an 80s rock band, but it was just me. So 
uh, when I ended up getting married and we had a kid, I kind of like took a hard look at, you know, how I was running my business. And I'm like, you know what? I, this is not conducive to being, you know, for a healthy sort of like family life. Like I was, you know, if I kept it going, I'd be gone 90% of the time. And I wanted to be there, you know, for my wife and kid. And so Mm -hmm. I had to kind of literally had to turn the whole thing off. And so there was this, let's call it a period of introspective reflection, shall we? Uh, Where I was like, you know, basically panicking, going, what the heck am I going to do now? And what I did was I went back to my roots because I had, I've always loved books and publishing and that kind of stuff. And it's just been super awesome. And I just, I've always just totally had fun with it. And and I've been in various forms self-publishing for many, many years and had done it very successfully just with online courses rather than books. And so I, I was looking at what was going on with Kindle and I was like, you know what? I think this this is definitely where I want to be hanging my hat. And so I did a bunch of experimenting, you know, sort of in the darkness of, uh, of my own basement. Uh, if you want to picture something in your mind, you can picture some sort of, you know, pasty face, evil magician cackling <laughs> over a cauldron. <laughs> and I can promise you this. I screwed up everything. Like I made horrible mistakes, almost got my account shut down like – so, I mean, like when I tell you, hey, don't do that, like I legitimately don't do that. <laughs> you know, don't – I published crappy books. I did all sorts of, you know, stupid stuff with it. And eventually I kind of uh, – it was funny because one night literally changed everything. It was before Christmas. I want to say it was 2011. And my wife's father was over. So my father-in-law. By the way, I get, a, I get along wonderfully with my in-laws. Uh, he had come over and they were all playing with the kid and, and stuff like that. And I was working on some stuff upstairs and I suddenly had this idea. I'm like, you know what? I've actually never ha- held a Kindle and I knew that he had one. And I, and I told I asked him, hey, man, did you happen to bring that? He's like, yeah, absolutely. I left it in the car. So we went out and he got it. And I'm looking at this thing. And literally within about, I want to say five minutes after I figured out how to actually navigate through the thing. Mm-hmm. This huge light bulb went on. I went, holy freaking crap, I get it. And I went and I changed a couple of things on my book because I had actually published about 450 books under pseudonyms uh, until then, until I did one. Uh, it was that How to Live, Finally Live Debt-Free and Wealthy, a terrible personal finance book uh, that I had published. And I went and I, I made some adjustments, put it into KDP Select, and then I started uh, doing some different kinds of promos with it. And all of a sudden, Boom. I mean, we're talking like tens of thousands of downloads. It went crazy. I was featured on uh, the homepage of uh, or the, the actual landing page at the time was very different than it is now of the Kindle store for business and investing. Wow. And, you know, it just featured all over the place. And it was it was super, super crazy. And what's funny about this is that this was, you know, not to sound old, but this was back in the day when we didn't have all those clever tricks that you do now. Like there weren't a whole bunch of. Uh, what I call book discovery sites because that's like the cool thing to do uh, now is have a book discovery site. So we, so I actually had to do some work with this and it's changed significantly since then. Uh, and it's actually easier now to become uh, you know, successful with the self-publishing thing if you just do a couple of things, right? And sort of like, you know, agree with yourself that this is going to take a while, you know, if you're, especially if you're starting from nothing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, and since then I've gone on to launch uh, a number of clients all to best-selling status. I mean, I think our, our coolest one was uh, Pure Fat Burning Fuel by Isabel de los Rios. And uh, that one hit number two on the Wall Street Journal, number 10 in Amazon. I mean, we sold like over 15,000 copies in the first week. It made like $30,000. Actually, and it, it, I think it's gone on to do that book since we did it probably as close to 
six figures in sales. And that was just literally, we only pushed it for that one week. And it just sort of coasted. It's pings between number one and number two on the bestseller list for its category and stuff. And uh, it, it, it's great. It, it continues to be very, very profitable. And, and actually, all of our books that we put out have, have done that. And, and since then, I've experimented with fiction, lots of stuff. And so I own a book discovery site called I Love Vampire Novels. And it's cool because that it, it's a great site because huge success stories like Bella Forrest and uh, all sorts of paranormal authors have come to us uh, to say, hey, you know, could we promote with you guys? Because, uh, you know, we reach about almost four million people a week now oh, yeah. uh, with the paranormal <laughs> stuff. And so, uh, you know, we, we keep the ads very reasonably priced and things like that. But it's, uh, you know, if you have a paranormal book, that's the kind of the place to go to for the entire industry now. And it only took like four years to build it. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious, you know, sort of like, hey, how to build a blog in your spare time that ends up you know, moving the needle for people that like, you know, zombie and vampires and shifters and things. So anyway, that's that's kind of the backstory on me. Okay, I, I think see. that's what you were looking for. So great. So amazing. Uh, actually, uh, what I realized is uh, you didn't really get successful until you saw everything from the user's perspective. So, yep. so you you were doing things, but you were not imagining how the user was uh, getting this information and how he was using the Kindle and everything. So once you shifted on the other side, everything became clearer, and you you kind of imagined and understood what needs to be done. That's right. Absolutely, the truth. That is one of the biggest, most overlooked, fundamental realities I think of not just publishing, but of every industry. Is you really have to ask yourself, well, what is the user perspective on this? And this was, you know, there was obviously those Amazon slaps and whatnot. Because I had published a course uh, called the Perfect Publishing System, where I literally there was a, there's a forum out there called the Warrior Forum, and it you know love it or mm -hmm. hate it, whatever. Sometimes they have really good information there. Well, in the Kindle publishing world, it was literally they were teaching teaching some of the worst tactics I have ever seen. It was literally like uh, hooking up a pipeline of human feces into Amazon. It was horrible. And I literally was like, guys, you are poisoning the ecosystem. This is literally the greatest opportunity for authors since pretty much the invention of the Gutenberg printing press. And I'm like, stop it. And so I put out, I, I created this product and I put it out there and you could, it was just like, everything just went silent. Because I, I was literally the first person to put out a product that taught everybody, okay, stop publishing garbage. Focus instead on just putting out maybe one good book and then building a series around it. And because here's the big secret, and you're exactly right when you said that, is when you think about this, not just from how can I make money with books, but when you shift it to how can I provide the most value to the readers mm -hmm. in a specific genre, that's a completely different question. And that brings up a whole different slew of answers. So if you're like, how do I make money with eBooks? Well, okay, publish things. It doesn't necessarily, then, then the concept of quality at that point usually enters in as an afterthought, mm -hmm. which was the problem. Well, what I found is that if you put quality first and foremost, and quality in terms of good info, like for example, the book that I put out, I didn't even hire an editor. I'm very open about this. I actually unpublished it because um, I, I may at some point, if I decide to get back into personal finance, release it again. Uh, but it would literally completely unedited. It was funny because everyone was like, wow, this is really good info. Thank you so much. But for the love of all that's holy, please learn how to use a comma, like, <laughs> like a comma, like, oh my God. 
And uh, it was, uh, and they were right. They were absolutely right. I should have had an editor for that. But it was still a good book in, in the way that it gave info that was actionable and useful. And in fiction, the same thing applies. Like if you, you should learn how to tell a good story, tell the story that you want to read and that your readers want to read and focus on having it be of good quality. And then also publish in a series. Always do it in a series. Uh, because, and it's funny because a lot of people criticize that kind of advice, but I'm like, okay, do you want to be a hobbyist or do you want to be a publishing professional? So you mentioned that in the very beginning, you did many mistakes. Do you feel comfortable sharing some of those so we don't yeah. make them too? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, a, a lot of them were very obvious because at the time I was asking the same question that I told you not to ask, which was how do I make money with eBooks mm-hmm. on Kindle? And it, the answer was, well, just, you know, blast a bunch of garbage into the ecosystem. And I was wondering why these books weren't selling. And so I, you know, I, I, came at it from a reader perspective. I was like, oh, because they look and read like pure hammered crap. I guess no one wants to read that then. And so there was like, you know, that one sort of epiphany because when you get into this internet marketing world, there is a danger to it. I mean, it's a wonderful opportunity, but there's a danger that when you get to a certain point, I've been doing this for a very long time. And so I think in terms, a lot of times of metrics, meaning click through rates, you know, open rates, you know, what conversion earning per click, like all this stuff. What you have to remember, you know, when you get to the point where it's like suddenly you're looking at like an ocean of robots and data is you have to understand the, the data represents the actions of living, breathing human beings. Mm-hmm. It's not – they're not just statistics. They're people, you know, and as soon – and so that's why like, you know, in, in, with Audience Hacker, I've taken a much different approach to the world of just literally showing up kind of like – let's call it naked and authentic and just being like, hey, you know, no editing. Let's just go for this. Let's just make this happen. We're going to have these conversations kind of thing um, because that's kind of what people want, you know, and that's – when it comes to the books, you have to you have to produce a book that people want to read. And for that, you have to pick an audience. And so I made a lot of mistakes. The first one was dumping garbage into the into the waters. Don't do that ever. Uh, don't use PLR, don't use public domain. don't don't use that garbage. You have to be real with the books you're publishing, and that especially goes for fiction. Uh, the The other thing that I did was I spread myself too thin. Mm-hmm. And this was a this is a universal problem. Uh, if you go in too many directions and you cater to too many different audiences, you will end up doing thousands of times more work mm-hmm. than you would if you just said, "Okay, this is my audience. These are my books. I am going to publish for them." And like, for example, like you know, we were talking before this call of like Bella Forrest. Bella Forrest is a young adult. She writes vampire. It's called A Shade of Vampire. Uh, she l- released her seventh book about uh, a week ago, and I say it hit number two on Amazon in like three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, she's completely self-published. I she actually bought ads for my love vampire novels like a while ago. You know, it was funny because I I had forgotten that, and I in our brochure I have a screenshot of one of the email blasts that she bought back when her first book one was still two ninety nine. Now she has it as like her lost leader at ninety nine cents, but she has eight books in this series Mm -hmm. it's crazy like she's doing i mean if you just look she's easily doing a million dollars a year easily completely self-published you know and it's funny because i keep trying to get her on my show and she she doesn't (laughs) do like audio interviews it's really funny so i I actually have to type up the questions which causes me physical anguish and soul crushing defeat and crying a lot of crying but uh (laughs) yeah you want to 
she knows her audience. She writes for that audience. She and, and that audience loves her and therefore lifts her up on her shoulder. And the reality for authors is that you know you need to pick an audience. You need to stay with that audience, cater to that audience, listen to that audience, and you write for them. And then you have to accept the fact this is probably going to take you three years, you know, before you really see that Bella Forest style epic super gangster needle mover kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quinn Loftus, that's another great author. Uh, she she was gracious enough to come on the show, uh, interviewed her, and oh my god, like she hit USA. She she self published her way to USA Today bestseller status. Uh, tw- over twenty two thousand books in the in, in a month. It was awesome. Like she she just did a, a you know an amazing job with it. And what she said was focus on Goodreads, building up relationships in there. Focus on getting Amazon reviews and focus on the bloggers. Like those are three things that anybody can do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, I noticed you mentioned three years period, which will in average take yeah to 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 get to a certain level of success. And I think that many authors just give up too soon because they are not patient enough to wait for those three years. And maybe some don't are not determined enough to to work hard for three consistent years, maybe because uh, we are hearing all these success stories and about different writers who do it and do it themselves uh, alone, basically with with no traditional publisher behind. Uh, and I think it's it's mainly uh, because those are the ones who stick long enough and who wanted it bad enough to make it happen. Because, uh, I mean, uh, you know, they, they should be other writers also who write as well as, as those. But, right. you know, mm-hmm. they might have given up in year one or year two and, it, you know, they never found right. out what would happen. I think it, it, you know what it is? I think it's really uh, a la- uh, com- unrealistic expectations. I think that there has been... There's that focus, and this is a universal problem everywhere. It doesn't not just authors, it's musicians, it's whatever, you know, business people in general. I see it everywhere in the entrepreneurial space. Uh, you know, we call it the shiny object syndrome kind of thing. But if your passion is writing and you really want to do it, you have to understand that this is going to take you a while. And if you go into it with the expectation that You know, even Fifty Shades of Grey, and it's funny because I'm in a bunch of writer groups on LinkedIn, and I'm, I always love playing devil's advocate. It's so much fun, just <laughs> stirring the pot and watching everyone get all riled up. And well, I asked a question about like if you could have like literally just get the template for the success that happened for Fifty Shades of Grey, would you use it? And without fail, everyone said, no, I wouldn't do it, which I think is a complete lie because they absolutely don't understand. But that's okay. Writers aren't marketers. That's mm-hmm. that's one of those things. Artists, and this is really interesting. I was a professional musician for 21 years. Uh, my last show was actually House of Blues Chicago. So it was really awesome you know, national venue kind of thing. It was really just a, a, a super cool blessing that I got to play there. It was, it was probably the most fun I've had. And it was, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to like have a big send off to a music career, that's, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of playing like, you know, you know, some sort of like, you know, the garden or something like that. Uh, but anyway, what happened with what happened in the music industry, the reason I got out was because literally I felt like I was working with some of the, like they, they were so much fun. They were awesome artists, but they were literally the world's worst business people I had ever met in my life. And you don't, and the thing is, if you're going to run a book business, if you're going to publish yourself, you don't need to be 
like the world's greatest entrepreneur. You don't. You absolutely don't. Like you can have an ugly website, you know, just don't have ugly book covers. Like mm-hmm. you can do you can do 90% of it wrong, but you just get Goodreads, Amazon, and blog reviewers right and do it consistently. Build those relationships. If you do those three things, if you publish a series where you're putting out one book every three to four months and you know do that consistently, you're going to get the outcome. And if you write for a specific market that ha- is, has a plentiful readership, like for example, Young Adult Paranormal, mm-hmm. dude, that is like, I mean, if you want to, if you want to make some super money, that's where you go is you write for young adult, you write for women because women tend to talk about it more. Uh, like for example, the 50 shades of gray phenomenon. I mean, mommy porn kicked butt. You know, there was there was a lot of stuff that happened right in order for that book to do well, but that book would have done well regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it had a lot of marketing behind it, had a big push, it had you know tons and tons of smart people, but it took several years for it to get to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the, I think that's one of those. Everyone's like, oh, that was an overnight success because they didn't have to, you know, she didn't have to do all. It's like she didn't have to because she did it right. She wrote a book that people wanted to read regardless of its like grammatical quality. You know, she, and it, she wrote it for an audience that had like huge amounts of people. It was initially like Twilight fan fiction, but then it just, you know, she, she put it in front of the right eyeballs and people wanted to talk about it. It was unique enough at the time that people talked about it based on its own merit. And obviously then the publisher fanned the flames and, and all that other kind of stuff with it. But it's like, it's not a big mystery. Like you don't need to be the next 50 shades of gray. You can do, you can run, like you can make half a million a year easy within a couple of years, publishing books, you know, like that. I mean, Bella, like I said, she's doing easily over a million a year mm-hmm. with her, with her books and stuff like that. I mean, she's like, she's getting to the point of like almost like weaponized success where it's just like, bam, bam, bam. And like every book is just shooting up the bestseller list. Cause she has that audience. She's writing what they want to read and she's taking the time to build the infrastructure. That's what it's all about. Like build that email list. She doesn't even send a lot of emails. She's just like, Hey, buy this book on this day, please. And then she runs some Facebook ads to support it. Whoop de doo! Like that's so easy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm 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 glad you mentioned about the business and about the books as well because um, just a few days ago I had a conversation with a friend who was arguing with me that literature uh, is not business and it shouldn't be considered as one. And if you are writing books based on the audience and their needs and you're thinking about the different marketing plans. Um, and they they partly um, influence your writing, then, you know, you're not, let's say, a real writer or something like that. So we had this argument and we, we spoke a lot. Um, she she stayed with her opinion. I stayed with mine. But um, apparently... And now you're never going to talk again. <laughs> well, I will, but not on that subject, apparently. Probably not. That's, like, that's up there with like religion and politics at dinner parties. Like, it's hard. Yeah, so I mean, there are many people who consider literature as I mean, I mean, some even think that, uh, you know, apart from the classic literature, everything which we write now is is kind of, you know, uh, easy things which people should just read in the airplanes and, and trains and, you know, just to kill time and nothing specific because it's not a real literature, which which is bullshit. I don't I don't agree with that at all. But anyway, uh, we also have another Another dilemma here, and many talks around that as well, which I would like you to, to, to get your opinion on that as well, 
it's a self-publishing versus traditional publishing and there are pluses and minuses in both uh, so what's your position and what what would you say about this I have a very specific and opinionated position on this, uh, and I think that I am extremely right. So there you go. No, my position on self-publishing versus traditional is if you are just getting started, if you do not have a platform, meaning if you don't have like an email list with 10,000 people, if you don't have a big Facebook following, a Twitter following, if you can't literally go out into the world and move you know, 20,000 books in a month on your own, maybe with a couple of partners, you're not ready for traditional publishing yet. That's not even a door you should knock on. And here's why. If you get a, if you sign a deal with a traditional publisher before you've built your platform, you are screwing yourself to the floor. Literally, it will, it has, you lose a hundred percent of the time. There are, it's like, they're literally, is people these days who are successful with traditional publishing who came out of nowhere, it's in the such minority. And this goes the same like for musicians, you know, anybody that wants to make it anywhere ever. Stop trying to get publishers. They are useless. They are absolutely useless unless you have a platform and a name already. And what's interesting about this, let's look at the negotiation for a, for a book deal. Mm-hmm. If you're if you have a couple of books out and no one's bought them yet, they you know, maybe they they read decently, who knows. But you're going to go and please publish me, please. I'll take anything that you ask. I just want to have a publisher. They're going to be like, "Fine, we'll give you 500 bucks and maybe we'll publish your books in 4 years." Mm-hmm. Welcome welcome to the club. You've just lost all rights to the work that you've busted your hump on. You're going to make zero money and you still have the thankless task of marketing yourself. Now you just make less money doing it. You know, cuz that's a big misnomer is that publishers will help you market. That is absolutely not true. They won't do it. None of them do. And if they do, they suck horribly at it. So it's in your best interest to learn how to do it on your own anyway. <clears throat> Now let's flip it around. Let's say you've taken the time to actually build up your uh, your platform and you have a fan base and you can move books. Let's say you're Quinn Loftus. Well, why do well, you need a traditional publisher then? <laughs> oh, exactly. And that's that's actually kind of the, the dichotomy is she's being wooed by all sorts. Like even Amazon is trying to publish her and she's like, you, you have nothing to offer me. But think about now let's flip this on its head. Now publishers are coming to you saying – we're going to give you hundreds of thousands of dollars up front to be able to publish these books mm-hmm. of yours. That is a night and day difference. So here's the thing. You have to do the same work regardless of which one you choose. So do you want to own your work and get paid for it or do you want to not own your work and get paid crap? So that is, that's the option. There is no other way to look at it, literally. And people can argue up and down on you know, this, that, or the other. It doesn't really matter. But the fact remains in almost 100% of the situations where someone tries to get a publisher, they lose, period. And publishers literally, that's why they're so freaked out is because they don't understand this new marketplace that we're in. They don't like – I mean let's look at the actions that they're taking – with like you know just just a couple like a year and a half ago where like Apple got together with the big six mm-hmm. and I'm like okay here's the smartest people in the room literally I mean people that own the publishing industry and the best idea they could come up with was price fixing what the heck 
Like, I mean, come on, really, really? Like that was such a joke. I, I just about died in my in my my face. Just slid off. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. Like th- there is not there. Publishers just don't bring anything to the table anymore because. You can put out a good book. I mean, if you do your, if you hire a person to do a cover, if you get an editor, they're very reasonable. You can get editors that used to work, you know, for Simon and Schuster. Mm-hmm. They're because they all like they got fired because they can't afford them anymore. <laughs> I mean, and also look at the track records of these major publishers. Like ninety eight percent of their books fail because they don't know how to sell them. They never have known how to sell them. It's just now that because the difference between self publishing. And traditional publishing has become such a stark contrast. It's a joke. It it literally is. Like these guys need to wake up and start doing things differently. I mean, I know what what publishers need to become is like sort of an enclosed ecosystem, a, a book discovery ecosystem. It's funny because I actually have a picture of what a real publisher should look like in this day and age, uh, which is completely different from what they're doing now. But uh, that's a story for a different time. I should probably get on a, hey, publishers, <laughs> listen to me podcast because I'll license them this all day. But uh, no, I, it's just, I, I think anybody right now, any author trying to get a publishing deal is wasting valuable time. You could be making yourself rich and famous. Stop wasting that opportunity. It's like, if you don't need to make money off the books, then go to a publisher. That looks awesome. You know, But if you need money from those books, stay as far away from a publisher as you can get. Mm-hmm, I see. So if we go back to self-publishing then, um, what would you say about the pricing? How is pricing affecting sales? And um, what is the optimal uh, price tag maybe which which you think is uh, more effective? Or is there anything like this, like, you know, a magic number? <laughs> I don't know about a magic number, but I do know that uh, if you are brand new, you need to lower the barrier to entry. So it's like, Uh, Mark Coker of Smashwords uh, typically says, you know, give away your book for free. I actually disagree with that. Um, I think that you should make people buy your book because giving your book away from for, for free – and this this one feel free to argue with me on because there are people who have had loads of success giving the first one away for free. My personal feelings uh, are that you're not getting a buyer for your book. I mean I, if you have one book out, price it at $2.99. You know, mm-hmm. and make two bucks a sale. Like that's fine. I have a friend actually who just put out a book. Uh, he's actually just published his second book, and he's charging way too much for it because the guy just does not listen to me. It's it's hilarious. But I'm like, as a self published author, you can't charge seven ninety nine for a digital book. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Like no one's going to pay that. Uh, you know, because you have like he has no reviews. There's no publisher behind him. There's no nothing. It's just some random dude doing sci fi. Like don't be ridiculous. Be, because you know you're going to make up your you're going to make your money from your back catalog, and so if you don't have a back catalog, well then this is why it takes three years. You best write the back catalog, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and just focus on putting this stuff out there. So I like I just call it the crack dealer mentality. It, it, it's the same thing Amanda Hawking did, is you price your first book at ninety nine cents and everything else at two ninety somewhere between two ninety nine to three ninety nine. Um, I saw Bella Forrest had priced one of hers at four ninety nine and then reduced it to three ninety nine. I think for an indie, there's no price cap. Don't get me wrong. There's no you can do whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. However, I recommend lowering that barrier to entry to make up a little bit for it in volume because if you want, you need to get you need to build some momentum in sales, which obviously happens over time. But that's that's what's important. 
is having that momentum in sales, uh, having that low price, you know, almost loss leader at the beginning of everything and just use that. That's like the tip of the spear. And the, the reason, and like, if you want to give stuff away for free, and this is something that I recommended to Quinn, I think she might be start. I, I got to hang out with her at the RT book convention in New Orleans a couple months ago. It was awesome. Super fun. Everyone should go to that, by the way, we can hang out. It'll be great. Uh, but, uh, uh, what I recommended, instead of giving away your book for free, give away like prequels or short stories that lead into mm-hmm. the series that you're writing. Yeah. And that way, because and I get it. I absolutely understand why people want to charge for books because typically the first book, it's like giving birth to an overweight baby. You know, it's like this massive, ah, <laughs> it hurts kind of thing. And <laughs> I get it. I, I Dude, it probably took years to write that thing. Like that's blood, sweat, tears. And like mucus with like, you know, knives and scorpions. That's what that first book is. After that, it's weird. It's like, oh, wow, these things are just coming out of, you know, at this. But um, that first book means a lot. And so it's a hard thing to give it away constantly. And I get that. So I, I, I think that that's why I think people should do the prequel method, which I don't really see anybody talking about right now. That Maybe they will now. But um, I think that that is a better way to go about doing it. Make a little bit of money off that first book. Make up for everything else with your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh uh, book. But you almost universally what I've seen in terms of series, aim to get to five, six, seven in your series mm-hmm. as quickly as possible because that's usually where the turning point starts happening. Five, six, seven. Yeah, okay. And uh, maybe this uh, first book, the pre-story, uh, should not have uh, be that big and it should not be as big as a novel. It can be a short term, most probably. Just yeah, absolutely. Something that can hook up people and want to learn more about the story. So it, exactly. it should be short enough just to get the emotional uh, link uh, with uh, emotional connection with the characters and, you know, a bit of the story and then people get hooked and they want to know more Absolutely. and they buy the rest and uh, so you know writing that after you've written the first book is also an option and it's in even easier most probably once you have the the book mm-hmm. one and book two already written and in your mind you can come up with this pre-story quite easy i think absolutely yeah that's and that's one of those things where just make it shorter, have it be, like you said, you know, give everybody like the emotional context, have it be action packed, super cool, uh, you know, stuff people want to read. Like if you ever watch Transformers, like the first uh, Michael, what is it, mm-hmm. Day, Bay, whatever his name is, name is uh, Transformers movies, there's like a five minute lead in, literally, then all of a sudden everything starts exploding and it doesn't stop until the end of the movie. That's what people want, regardless of, I mean, even in romance novels, I think that's what people want now, you know? Like if you read The Black Dagger Brotherhood by J.R. Ward, like those books are freaking crazy. They're going super huge. And that's what they are. They're basically like Transformers for, you know, romancy, buff dude vampires. Like it's, it's cool yeah amazing with romance books it's amazing and very interesting because most of them are so predictable but we still keep on you know reading well, I think that's why. until that's, the end I think that's why it's like the part of the formula it's that uh i think it fills that need for having some sort of uh what tony robbins talks about like the six human needs and things like that and yeah. consistency or predictability i can't remember what it was called but that that's really what it is yeah Yeah, I think so too. Uh, so you mentioned that you're working with writers. So what do you offer? What kind of services do you offer for writers? Um, well, you know, for about a billion dollars a month, I can 
what I recommend, you know, go to the go to audiencehacker.com and kind of check it out and kind of uh, look around on the resource page because I have a bunch of stuff like that. But mm-hmm. uh, I have a course called Perfect Publishing System. Uh, sign up to the newsletter there because then you can watch the uh, the replay of a webinar that I did where I actually go through the case studies of how a whole bunch of my students uh, launched books that just absolutely blew up. Uh, it, it's really cool. Like when you nail it, you nail it. Like that's it's it's really awesome. And I, and digital books give you the ability to kind of test positioning, mm-hmm. you know, before you do anything else. So it's really cool. Um, that's uh, the perfect publishing system. I'd recommend checking that one out if you like. Like I said, just sign up to the newsletter at audiencehacker.com and it'll take you right there. Um, I'm also putting out very soon a community for folks, you know, for mm-hmm. fiction and nonfiction and stuff like that. And so that'll be a yearly uh, a yearly thing, but that'll be literally every couple of uh, every two weeks. I'll be doing like a live Q and A. I'm actually building all of the training for it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be called Audience Hacker Engage. So it's not uh, it's not open yet, but make sure you sign up to the newsletter, and I'll let you know that it is. It'll be a good time. But that's that's the kind of stuff that I have for authors is stuff that'll help them sell more books. Okay, I see. So um, I don't know. The main mission of this podcast is basically to encourage and inspire writers who are just starting and maybe they have many doubts and and you know they need some some support from from a side someone to tell that you know yes it's not going to be easy yes it's hard yes it's you have to work it will take three years as you said for example but it's possible and you don't oh, yeah. need to be rich for that you don't need to be uh, extra super talented for that and uh, you know it's possible if you want bad enough and you are willing to work you know you can be one of those people you uh, you, you know who who inspire you and who are famous and and uh, whom you read right now so uh, what would be your last message to to the newbie writers who are listening to us um you know the last encouraging and inspiring statements from you you're gonna fail no i'm just kidding (laughs) Uh, no i think i really think you said it best it's like set your expectations like this is one of those things where i did a webinar on this a couple of months ago where i was talking about how to 10x you know how to grow your business by a factor of 10 and it literally had nothing to do with marketing or promotion it was all about creating daily rituals Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, the most important aspect. You have two things that, that go into your business as a writer. You have your writing, duh, uh, but then you also have getting the word out about your writing. And so what you want to do is break up your day between those two things. You always want to write every single day. I mean, Stephen King talks about this. The man, is, you know, mm-hmm. he's doing super crazy with this stuff. He's awesome. Uh, read that book, On Writing by Stephen King. It's wonderful. Yes. I think like in, in terms of the human struggle and the human condition, that book is wonderful for this. Uh, it, you have to write every single day. You have to write for a specific audience. Make sure that audience buys books. Make sure that audience is in plentiful numbers and make sure that audience is – you know that you're writing something you enjoy. If you don't like it, you won't stick with it. That's just period. Um, but also don't expect it to happen overnight. But expect – that you will take the action every single day. You will write a thousand words a day, whatever your number is. That's what you do. You know, you're going to be putting out. You're going to here. Here's what to do. Absolutely structure your daily rituals so that you're that you're publishing one book every four months minimum. That should just be the thing you do. That is your new life skill. 
is publishing one book every every four months and just getting it out there. Uh, J.A. Conrath, awesome author, lives in the Chicagoland area. I'm going to stalk him because I want him on the show. I'm so excited. Um, that guy, amazing volume of books. You want to have high quality, good stuff. The second thing is accept the fact that if you're new, you're probably going to suck a little bit. That's okay. Get it out of your system. Get better. Work with other people. Get other people's eyes on your books. That's kind of the community that I'm building. It's like it's not just about me. It's about everybody. You know, it's about everybody uh, being able to help out everybody else. That kind of stuff. Is make sure you have a group who supports you because no one is an island. And I made that mistake for years, thinking I could just do it all myself. And I cried, dude. I lost so much money. I crashed and burned all over the place. Don't do it on your own. Don't do your own cover. Don't do your own editing. Get somebody to help you with that. And then the last part is get good at one promotional tactic. Right now, I recommend Goodreads. That might change in two years, but I recommend don't. And the other thing is don't listen to authors because Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have found like don't do what authors tell you uh, because I have found that the majority of them are very negative uh, on stuff. And and it's they have their mindset is extremely and I'm working hard because they're good people. They've just been. This whole uh, starving artist thing has been beaten into them, and it's, it's, it has a negative impact on the world we live in. So uh, I think people do themselves a disservice by not selling awesome art because then it would inspire other people. And this is one of the other things that you need to keep in mind is you're going to have to find your own path. Like I can give you sort of like, okay, here's what's working for the vast majority of people that I've talked to. Um, but at the end of the day, it like marketing – Marketing yourself doesn't just work. You have to make it work. So there's there, – we call them in the entrepreneurial space pivots. You know, you go in one direction. All of a sudden, ooh, you know, shift, shift, pivot, 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 mm-hmm. and then eventually you nail it. And so accept the fact that there will there will be pivots. Nothing is perfect. And as my my good man Steve, Steve Jobs said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you can do it well. Yeah. You know, so that's I think the most important thing is just accept the fact that this raw, pulpy, wet meat of reality that you're about to sink your dirty little fingers into, like you're gonna get dirty. That's gonna happen. You're you know, breaking the eggs, making omelets and stuff like that. Just accept this as reality. This is the world we live in, and that's okay. Like no like you're gonna literally like everybody who's gotten anywhere by getting their, you know, getting the elbow grease going did so by, you know, just putting their fingers into the dirt and start going at it until it, until it started working. So don't give up. Seriously. It's, it's hard work. It's sometimes brutal. There's lots of self doubt. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can do it. Like that's the one thing above all else is persistence. That's it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. I really enjoyed this interview. I mean, I, I love the energy you you have, you produce, and it's it's uh, this one is different from the others because it it has been much much more energetic. That's for sure. And uh, oh, it's, I take a lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, listeners will appreciate that in any case. I'm sure. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you very much. Uh, I wish you success you. With, 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 all, uh, with everything you do. And um, I'm sure that uh, we will see your name in, in very different uh, places and uh, very successful places, let's say. 
I certainly hope so, because right now the only place it shows up is on you know the inside of that bathroom stall door for a good time <laughs> call. It's crazy. Awesome. Well, seriously, thank you so much for having me on. I hope I was able to help out. Yeah, you did. I mean, we 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 got uh, plenty of value, and and you you made me think uh, about my decisions. So, you know, I'll have a lot to think about after our conversation. <laughs> Perfect. Now you get to lose sleep. All right, then. We'll, I'll be chatting with you. Well, that was it for today. Thank you for listening. I'm absolutely sure that you enjoyed this interview. And uh, before I say goodbye, just, you know, don't forget to check out the free resources I've combined especially for you. Uh, Just visit at www.annealexander.com slash free and you will get lots of useful and interesting things there just for you. Well, take care. Keep on writing. And see you next time.